Yeah, it's part of the blessing and the curse of being an entrepreneur in that I have this very clear view of how the world should work within this space, but it's five or 10 years down the road. So the challenge is how do we back that up to where we are today to get organizations to take that first step that will open up this much larger opportunity down the road? Welcome to Group Thinkers Season 3. I am your host, Justin McCord. Uh, you've found your way to our little podcast, Group Thinkers, the podcast from RKD Group, which is a leading data-driven multi-channel marketing and fundraising firm for nonprofits. And on this podcast, each and every episode, we have a different nonprofit marketer, uh, someone connected to the nonprofit sector. Um, but not just anyone, right? So uh, a, a big differentiator in the, the folks that we talk to is that um, they're doing something different. They're doing something unique. Uh, they're leading, they're innovating in the space. And today's guest is certainly someone who is uh, an innovator, uh, Jeremy Berman from Good United. So several months back, I was at an event put on by the Nonprofit Alliance, TNPA, uh, we are big believers in the mission of TMPA and uh, founding members and, uh, support their work. And so they were putting on, it was actually their first uh, single day educational event. And uh, there was this nonprofit that was at the event and they were sharing their success uh, with Facebook fundraisers. But but there was something that stood out about what this nonprofit was sharing. For me, uh, they were talking about list building in Facebook Messenger. So same way that we've talked about um, lead generation and building a, a data stack. Uh, more often than not, we think about that through email acquisition, right? And, and then maybe beyond that, some folks have thought about it through mobile phone um, data acquisition. But this organization had taken it a step further, and for a couple of years, they have been committed to list building in Facebook Messenger. So this was different for me in terms of just kind of processing you know, what they were doing and, and how they were doing it, but what was really interesting is the, the why they were doing it. The, the organization actually, they were very upfront that they didn't have a strategy to use this information just yet, that, that right now they were building it. They're building their list. They're building the database uh, because they knew they were convinced that going forward, Facebook would continue to be a part of our lives in a very real way and that Facebook Messenger would continue to grow in its adoption. And sure enough, it has. And uh, so the primary vehicle that this organization used to build their list was a platform called Good United. Um, Good United offers... Um, they offer managed services for Facebook fundraisers. And so um, I was doing some research and, and had been familiar with them, but hadn't truly engaged with the Good United team in the past. So I, I reached out and I connected with uh, Jeremy Berman, one of the founders of the company, to talk to him about um, what this is all about, right? This idea of building uh, a list and leveraging Facebook fundraisers and how being intentional in your approach with them could increase retention, could increase uh, repeat fundraisers on Facebook, and just give you a, a, another way to meaningfully communicate with 
your audience. And so Jeremy and I had a great conversation that you're going to hear on this episode. He's, he shares his path through um, startups, some of the challenges that they faced along the way. Um, he talks about a sabbatical and how that sabbatical actually changed his outlook and in many ways changed the course of his career. And, and then he also, um, obviously he talks about Good United and how they're changing how communication happens online for nonprofits. Uh, so, uh, so here we go, here's, here's Jeremy Berman of Good United on Group Thinkers. Okay, thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. Uh, very excited today to have a chance to catch up with Jeremy Berman. Uh, good United. Jeremy, how's it going, man? How, how's things uh, in South Carolina today? Things are going well. I appreciate you having me. And life is uh, good in Charleston. No complaints. Excellent. Excellent. Jeremy, um, I've got a lot that I want to talk to you about just because of the way that peer-to-peer has changed. And, uh, you know, I want to get your take on the peer-to-peer space, some of the trends and how people are responding from the marketing side. Uh, but I just want to start with having you talk about your journey to today, how you got into the nonprofit space and uh, what that, that path looked like. So just give us a sense of, of your journey along the way. Yeah, great. So I found that throughout my journey, I really have three passions that I've been able to tie together through Good United. The first is using technology to solve really difficult problems. And when I started my career, it was as an IT consultant in Washington, D.C. And during that period, learned a ton um, through the work that I did, but was never really passionate all that much about being on the non-operating role within the companies I would work with. But what I'm super grateful for during my time in DC was that the company that I worked for in 2008 rolled out a sabbatical program where instead of laying people off during the financial crisis, they gave us an opportunity to take off up to three months and still make a percentage of our salary. So during that time, I was surprisingly one of the few people to raise my hand to sign up and take time off. And what That's I incredible. did during that three months, thank you, thank you. Um, so what I did during that three-month period was I volunteered in Cape Town, South Africa. And that's really where I discovered my second passion of giving back. And Something's wrong. while I was in South Africa, I was working at this really incredibly underfunded um, preschool called a crush, and it didn't have any running water. It didn't have any electricity. And what was really interesting was that none of the kids spoke English, but I was able to build an incredibly strong bond with these children through surfing. So the program used surfing as a catalyst to inspire and educate these children that might not have had opportunities outside of their homes to, to do that. And for me, it was just this really meaningful, transformative experience where I was really passionate about the work I was doing and helped me really rethink how I wanted to dedicate my life going forward. Um, when I came back from that, I really wasn't ready to jump all in to the nonprofit space I also knew that I didn't want to go back into consulting. 
So what I ultimately did was I chose to go back to business school at UNC, where I really found my third passion of startups and entrepreneurship. And during my time at UNC, I was grateful to meet my co-founder, Nick Black, who at the time um, was returning as a active or returning as an army ranger and using business school as a way to transition out of the military back to the civilian world. Um, he had started the nonprofit Stop Soldier Suicide, and the two of us really hit it off. And over the course of the next few years, we came up with the early beginnings of Good United, um, which has the same purpose that we have today, which is to empower nonprofits to make all donors feel appreciated. So long answer to your question, but essentially how I wound up in this space um, was I had an opportunity with Nick to create a company to solve a really important problem. And in doing so, I was able to merge my three passions of technology, um, giving back, and entrepreneurship. Uh, so journeys aren't supposed to be short answers. So you, you know, you don't have to like. Fair. You know, it's it's uh, and then I had no idea that uh, that you had um, done that. You had that part of your life where you had a chapter where you had gone to South Africa, and it's so incredible to be impacted by a mission impacted by a cause. Cause I'm sure that that immediately lights a fire into that second passion that you mentioned of, of giving back. Um, and obviously, you know, where, where you sit today with good United is an amazing blend of your three passions of tech and giving back and startups. Where did that, you talked a little bit about the, the seed for good United, but, um, how did how did that idea gain momentum with with you and the team? Yeah, so Nick and I really created the first evolution of the company based on a lot of the challenges that Nick was experiencing through Stop Soldier Suicide, where every year they would get a lot of small donors to give, you know, fifty, one hundred, two hundred dollars, and every year about ninety percent of them would churn out. And we believed that there was just a much better way to go about building meaningful relationships with that long tail of donors. And we set out to solve that um, five years ago. Um, in all transparency, we had, I would say, two or three very strong product failures before we were able to come across um, what we do today of enabling nonprofits to better manage their Facebook fundraisers and connect with their donors online using Facebook Messenger. But we teach you those failures and you learn something, you, you grow from it, and it has helped shifted you into this interesting space of where Good United does sit today. Um, at what point do you feel like you and, and Nick latched onto Facebook in particular? Like the, the idea or the honing in on Messenger and using Messenger as a, a tool for ongoing conversation and building that. Where, you know, when did that, uh, that little hook go deeper and, and really become a, a central part or central feature for the work that you all were doing? No. So Nick and I, as I mentioned earlier, have always had the same purpose for this company which is to empower nonprofits to make all donors feel appreciated. And three years ago, we had 
come to a point where we had a second product failure. And when I say a product failure, what I mean is that the solution was very much nice to have in that it did what it was supposed to do, but it wasn't solving a pain that was strong enough to get nonprofits to implement it immediately. So at this point, Nick and I had been out this for three years. We had raised a round of capital and, and we were exhausted. Um, him and I had a team of eight at that point, and we had to end up laying off the entire team because we were running out of capital. So we were in Charleston at the time. We walk um, to this park called Battery Park, and we have a very frank conversation with each other. And I looked at Nick and I said, hey, man, do you still have fire to march towards our passion? Or do you think at this point we have given it like the good college try and we can go dedicate our lives doing something else? And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, like, no, I believe in our purpose and we need to keep fighting. So I was just all in on getting back to where Nick and I left off, which was just the two of us in a room with the same purpose, trying to figure out where to go next in an effort to help nonprofits connect with all donors and make them feel appreciated. And this was about 2016. So Nick and I, at that time, worked a bunch of different consulting jobs so that we could reinvest into customer discovery to unpack where we could directionally go as a company. And during that time, Facebook had released their giving tools and they started to gain some traction. So we were very fortunate in that Stop Soldier Suicide was an early adopter within the Facebook giving tools. And we had a sideline seat to really see the impact that Facebook was having on their organization, where one month, you know, they were making a few hundred bucks, which turned into another month where they were making um, tens of thousands of dollars, all the way up to hundreds of thousands of dollars every single month. Right, right. And while that sounds like a great thing to happen, there were all of these challenges that they were experiencing as a result of this major shift that was happening in the market where donors were starting to give through social media instead of through nonprofit websites. Yeah. So we literally took the better part of a year just unpacking what was happening in social why this shift to giving through social was happening and really tried to identify what are the major pains that all nonprofits are experiencing that are using these giving tools at scale. And what we found is that there was a very common set of pains for any organization that was actively using Facebook fundraising. The main challenges, right, where they didn't have the data that they needed to cultivate um, the fundraisers at scale. They didn't have a way to identify who these people even were. And just like um, the problem we were trying to solve with Stop Soldier Suicide four years ago, all of these fundraisers were just very transactional in nature right. and were churning out. So we designed initially a solution that specifically solved these challenges around Facebook fundraising 
And the interesting part is that they just so happened to use Facebook Messenger. We were solving Facebook fundraising problems using Messenger. And at the time, all of the organizations we worked with could care less that we were using Messenger. It was just a tool that was helping them get what they needed out of Facebook fundraising. But the brilliance here is that as an organization, we, Good United, have a strong belief that donors want to connect with nonprofits in the context of where they're spending time, which Facebook. So we very early on thought, you know what, we're going to use Facebook Messenger to solve all of these problems that nonprofits are experiencing about Facebook fundraising. And in doing so, we're going to really be able to demonstrate firsthand the power and the capabilities of this new conversational messenger platform. And mm-hmm. that's where we can start to build the future of the company as we help nonprofits adopt new communication channels along the way. And that is really how we wound up um, where we are today using messenger to solve very specific problems around Facebook fundraising in an incredibly impactful way. Well, and you you hitched to certainly the right horse because at the same time you have the continued evolution of how people use mobile devices and rely on apps to communicate in a changing space and the growth of Messenger as a way that people communicate. And so you know, the, uh, the fortune, uh, of that decision backed up by the data and the research that you were doing has certainly helped with, with your growth. Uh, and you know, it's continued to grow, right? I mean, um, just the, you mentioned the Facebook fundraising tools and, and, you know, I guess it was within the last two weeks now, they've recently announced that more than 2 billion has been raised uh, on Facebook from more than 45 million fundraisers since the launch of those tools. That's a right. lot of money. That's a tremendous amount of money and a huge number of people. I don't know if it's, you know, what, what's the, the bigger he- headline, the 2 billion or the 45 million fundraisers. I mean, it's, you know, more than a 10th of of the U.S. overall, I know mean, we're talking bigger than that. So, and that's that's um, just so, fundraisers. So, if you multiply yeah. that times four, that's donors, right? So, there's 180 right. million plus 45 million that have given through Facebook in the last two years, which is an un- unprecedented growth, I think, for any market shift over the last 20 years. So, one of the things that you you said a second ago, Jeremy, that I want to come back to and hang on for a second is. The common challenges that that you your team saw with nonprofits of essentially you know time resources technology right um, the, those pervade the nonprofit space mm-hmm. and uh, are are many times the barriers to the adoption or investment in new channels or being able to prioritize. Uh, you know, certain projects, um, those, those sorts of things. And so, you know, how do you, how do you counsel um, nonprofits whenever they're, when they're challenged by time and challenged by resources and challenged by technical depth mm-hmm. to embrace, to embrace new technology uh, 
like what Good United offers. Yeah, it's part of the blessing and the curse of being an entrepreneur in that I have this very clear view of how the world should work within this space, but it's five or 10 years down the road. So the challenge is, how do we back that up to where we are today to get organizations to take that first step that will open up this much larger opportunity down the road? And what we found, right, is we can't sell the tool. We can't sell messenger subscribers. The market's just not there yet. But what we can sell or the problems that we can solve have to do with things that they are experiencing in a very visceral way at the moment. So for example, the organizations that we work with raise millions of dollars through Facebook um, every year, some every month. And before Good United, they had no idea who these individuals were. So when you talk about an opportunity to invest into a channel where there are new donors that actually care about your cause because they've already given to you or created a fundraiser, there's no more impactful investment an organization can make. So what we found is that we had to focus on the problem set today and plant seeds of these new innovative technologies, but not go all in on the new innovative technology as the starting point, right? It was just a vehicle to solve the problem that they were actively looking to solve at the moment. This episode of Group Thinkers is brought to you by the RKD Group blog. You might be listening on a mobile device right now, and if so, you can go ahead and open up a browser window and visit rkdgroup.com slash blog. When you get there, you're going to find all sorts of resources tackling issues that are current in the nonprofit marketing space. There's channel-specific resources focused on direct mail, digital, multi-channel, and even omni-channel. There's also hot topics like GDPR, mid-level, digital media, look-back windows, and more. It's all over at rkdgroup.com slash blog. And now, back to Group Thinkers. Yeah, so, you know, the, the organizations that um, that are adopting this, that are maybe, um, it's a different state of being resource-strapped than others, right? And there's a broad mm-hmm. scale, because we're talking about there's 1.6 million nonprofits, and that number continues to grow in the U.S. alone. Uh, who do you see as leading the charge of more intentionality with donor and uh, fundraiser stewardship in Facebook fundraising? Who do, who do you think are uh, on the forefront that are helping lead the charge of others embrace and leverage uh, technology like Good United or other uh, similar platforms to better connect with these folks? Yeah, well, I, I will honestly say that any organization that we work with is leading the charge simply because they are making an investment into a new area that they haven't invested before. So any organization that we work with is saying, hey, yes, we are getting free money every month through Facebook. Free, meaning often they don't have a strategy, it's happening organically, sure. and they're just getting checks in the mail. 
And one thing you could do is just do nothing, right? And use hope as a strategy that it continues in the future. But what our organizations that come to us are saying is that, hey, we recognize that we are lucky to be in a position where this is happening organically. And we want to start to put together a strategy to make this sustainable. And we have been great partners in helping them unlock the possibilities. So I'll, I'll say that as the blanket statement. Um, some of the earlier organizations that we have partnered with um, have really helped us pave the way in terms of continually innovating in this space. Um, so No Kid Hungry have been great partners in helping us unlock new learnings. Um, Susan G. Komen was one of the earliest organizations we work with really early on and have done incredible things using um, this new channel um, that we're starting to roll out to other organizations um, and, and many others. So, so we're grateful that one, nonprofits see the opportunity and two, um, they really trust us to be their partners to explore um, what is possible with the shift that's happening to social media today. Yeah, I think, you know, both both you and I having uh, a little bit of the entrepreneurial bug, appreciate the early adopter, right? And appreciate the those that are, are willing or are in a position to uh, maybe take a little bit more of a risk on, on certain elements. And, and the ones that you cited are, are good examples. In fact, I know I was in a conversation with, with some uh, colleagues from the just the industry recently where you're talking about no kid hungry as an example uh where you know their team has shared that they have been using good united as a tool to not only as you said build a connection with people who are raising money through facebook fundraising tools but they're also at the same time intentionally building a list in messenger Right. So, you know, you, you rewind five, 10 years ago and email acquisition was a prominent online marketing strategy for lead generation for nonprofits to be able to build that donor base. And so I am endlessly fascinated with No Kid Hungry's intentionality on building a essentially a lead list, but a donor list in Facebook Messenger and not truly tapping into it yet, really just building the list uh, on the premise that Messenger is going to continue to become more of a way that we communicate in everyday life. And therefore, as a nonprofit, we're going to want to be able to use it to communicate with our donors. Just speak a little bit in more depth about that as an idea, as a mindset, and where you think that will go. Yeah. So there's a few things at play here. One, um, it's no longer a question of if or when online giving is going to shift to social media. It's clearly happening with Facebook's $2 billion announcement. And it's clearly happening at a rate that we've never experienced before. So with that, organizations have a choice. They can go against what donors want and try to force them back into the um, existing communication channels where their IT investment lays. Um, largely email, or they can invest in complementing that existing email-based IT strategy by exploring communication channels where donors are actually spending time, um, specifically, um, obviously, Facebook Messenger. 
And I think what's happening right now is giving organizations an opportunity to use this channel in a way to solve a problem that every organization has been working to solve since the dawn of time. And that is, how do you get a small donor to give again, to stay involved? The way most organizations have approached that due to the technology that was available at the time is through email. But if you think about what email is, right, it's a, typically a one-way push of information and it right. largely treats everybody the same, right? Like maybe you have like three or four different categories of emails that you send or a few different segments, but it's largely the same exact message to a large group of people. And it's no wonder with that strategy that you see the effectiveness of email continuously decline as more and more people bombard an inbox. But what's happening today from the technology side is that there's a convergence of two new technologies that are opening up this long-term donor retention opportunity in a way we've never seen before. Um, the first is conversational messaging platforms. So unlike email, products like Facebook Messenger are a two-way conversation. And I can ask you questions, I can receive answers, and I can instantaneously use the answers you provide or the data you provide to further personalize my communication with you to get you invested in the organization going forward. The other big technology shift is through big data and artificial intelligence. So as we start to learn about fundraisers through Messenger or anyone that we're communicating with through Messenger, this new technology shift into AI allows us to unlock individual interest areas for everyone, right? So as you and I engage, as I know why you started a fundraiser, as I learn what you care about, I can use that information to send personal and meaningful communications to you going forward. And if which, you think which about, comes back. Okay. Well, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Jeremy, I was just going to say, like, this is, this is at the root of what you've said multiple times now, which is empowering nonprofits to make all donors feel appreciated. Like you're having two-way conversations, which may be backed through AI or it may not be, but it's still in the area of, no, 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 better understanding people and better speaking to them, but doing it in a way that's scaled as opposed to uh, one that is strenuous on resources. Yes? Bingo, right? If you think about, let's just say, some of the universities where I graduated, they're always just asking me to give to like the alumni program or the business school program. And I don't feel a strong connection there. But if they learn that I was the president of the Entrepreneurship Club and I started a startup and they need investment to build a program to help other future entrepreneurs learn and get experience, you better believe I'd invest in that. So what we're finding with AI, with Messenger, is that we're able to just continuously learn and shape the conversation in a way that really is meaningful to everyone. And it's just incredibly impactful in a way that other technologies have struggled um, in the past. 
And, you know, the, for our listeners, for nonprofit decision makers, nonprofit marketers that are, are still on the fence uh, about Messenger or other conversational messaging tools, or, or may even look at it and think, oh, yeah, we tried SMS as a mobile thing. It just didn't work out for us. They've got that stuck in their mind. I think it's important to keep in mind a couple of the stats that, um, that were released earlier this year um, regarding Facebook Messenger in particular. 20 billion messages sent monthly, and mm-hmm. that Messenger is the second most popular iOS app of all time behind Facebook. So you're, you're not talking about something that is um, low in adoption at this point in time, right? It's already, as you've said, it's already a part of our common way of communicating. Now, uh, it, it may be, it's continuing to grow in the way that we communicate. We continue to find ways that uh, to integrate into our lives. And certainly there is coming even more of a, a time and a place for us to communicate with causes or people on staff at causes uh, that that can help us deepen our relationship there. Um, how yeah. do you see this? How do you see this changing? Like this budding use of something like Messenger um, with the data privacy shifts that are happening in the U.S. or that are being talked about. You know, with CACPA out in California, with uh, uh, with GDPR being rolled out, with other states looking at data privacy regulations, do you see Messenger as a marketing channel um, continuing to evolve based off of those regulatory uh, and, and legislation? Yeah. Um, I, before I answer that, can I just comment on something you said about like the text and all that? Absolutely. So I think you brought up a few interesting points, um, one of which is I want to be very clear in that email is not going away anytime soon. And it's going to continue to be a powerful force to drive um, results. The same way direct mail is a major force in getting today, email is not going anywhere. Uh, But we're finding that if you take advantage of new technologies, there's just other complementary opportunities. So when we think about text and messenger at face value, they seem very similar. Now, I will tell you from my own personal experience, I don't think I've ever received an SMS that I expected, meaning somehow people are getting my number and they're sending me messages, which I find just very intrusive. Now, that's not to say how everyone handles SMS, just me personally, I have not found that to be a great way to get my attention because the context is missing. So one of the things that Facebook has done an incredible job doing is preserving the integrity of the messenger experience. And they do that by specifically requiring any individual to first opt in before an organization can send a message. And when I opt in, I'm opting into something that I care about. And it's important that the messenger experience continues down that contextual path, right? It's no different from what many organizations do today in terms of buying ads and directing people to a landing page and making that narrative be 
one of the same, right? You're continuing the journey to a new place. So to me, I see Facebook Messenger as that connection point, but with these additional capabilities of a two-way conversation and getting data to further refine the messaging, it's just way more impactful because one, it's contextual, it's personal, and two, and this is a big one, is that Facebook has removed all of the friction from the experience. Yeah, I that don't is a need to download one. a new app. I don't need to put in new information to make a purchase or to give my email address. It's all right there in a single click of a button, um, which is why there's been so much adoption from the consumer side or the, the donor and fundraiser side of Messenger. Um, so uh, I just wanted to get that out there because I think it's important to yeah. say like Messenger is not erasing or replacing anything. It's just complementing um, these existing channels. And by the way, before you transition to the other half, which is on the data regulation side, that's the major trend in marketing right now. We're not replacing channels. We're adding channels and evolving the way that we use channels because that's how consumers and or donors are living their lives. They're not replacing channels. People have not stopped going to their mailbox or stopped using email. They've added other channels. So it's on us as marketers to find new innovative ways to bridge that connection. Couldn't agree with you more. Totally. And every time you do that, we're finding you're just giving yourself the opportunity to bring in new people, right? It's not cannibalizing the individual that would have mailed you a check. It's finding new people in social that would have never given you before um, the opportunity to connect. So it's widening the pie, just like you said, um, in, a, in a really impactful way. Privacy. Privacy is a very serious concern, particularly with Facebook because of all um, the negative press that it has received um, throughout the last few years. Right. So there's a few different areas at play here. One from like a legislative side, GDPR has been a great forcing function for large organizations like Facebook to crank down on what information is available to who and requiring individuals to opt in to share data. And Messenger is no different, right? You can't receive an email address or any data, really anything, unless somebody clicks a button and says it's okay to release it. So that has been really powerful. Um, there's another side um, that has to do with just like Facebook's own internal policies that make it challenging to use Messenger or other conversational platforms. Um, so Facebook made an announcement a month or two ago talking about some of the changes that are coming to this channel in early 2020. And the main change that they said is coming is that you can no longer send one message or one same message at the same time to a bunch of people, which they call a broadcast, um, which I really appreciate, right? Because that is what is going to make Messenger a terrible experience. So on the policy side within the Facebook ecosystem as well, they're continuously tightening the lanes for which organizations can operate to drive results, but they're doing so with the end user's best interest at heart in that they want to facilitate these one-on-one -on -one conversations and they are doing everything in their power to prevent 
messenger from being a channel like email where there's just so much spam, it's almost impossible to separate the signal from the noise. And good on them for being intentional with that, because that will keep Messenger as a product, as a platform, as an idea, uh, stable for longer, right? It won't be mucked up as, uh, right. as you might find. So um, it's going to remove all the people that don't want to put in the work to do it the right way, because it's hard yeah. and it takes um, a lot of deliberate effort to do well. And the good thing is, if you put in time, you're going to get incredible results. Um, the bad news is, if you're not, you're going to quickly fall out. So for companies like Good United, um, we love it because it's just separating all of the people that are that would otherwise ruin um, this new channel. The riffraff. So um, what do you think this looks like? How How is Messenger going to evolve or what shape will it take? What place does it have in the election cycle, which is now heating up? And here we are. You know, we're at the beginning of October and when we're recording this, we're, you know, uh, we're at this point, you know, 13 months uh, away from um, what could be a significant election and what many are predicting to be one of the most disruptive elections from a marketing and fundraising standpoint. How, how does this play into the overall experience of Messenger uh, and how it might impact nonprofits and how they use Messenger or other Facebook tools? Yeah. So we're already finding it is impacting Facebook fundraising in a really big way. So there are these terms that organizations we work with say, such as the Trump, um, the Trump bump and the Trump slump, which essentially means he will say things that shift the news in favor or against nonprofits that we support or that work with us. And when he does, it literally changes the flow of dollars that are coming through Facebook fundraising for these organizations. So it's really interesting for organizations to think about um, how do we leverage this very politicized moment and use these new cycles as a strategy to support the cause that they, they care about. Um, on the messenger side, I think it's tied to the overall experience that Facebook is investing into in terms of making Facebook overall um, neutral. So there's been a lot of talk, right? Is it left wing? Is it right wing? Where are, or what types of content are people seeing and how is it changing people's perspective? And everything I've been reading is showing that invest, Facebook is investing a tremendous amount of money to ensure that when the when people start to get all these messages about the election, which is obviously happening now, that Facebook has the controls and the policies in place to keep things neutral. And that should extend everywhere from their advertising tool to the timeline all the way through Messenger um, so that we don't look back in another few years and say Facebook is the reason why um, we ended up where we are today, which I know yeah. some people try to argue about the current place in history. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, but, but there's also, there, there can be an impact. I, you know, I think that you can argue that telemarketing as a channel 
uh, has only started to recover from the 2016 election cycle. And so, yeah. you know, the reality is that the, uh, these election cycles are now in a place where they are um, creating new and unforeseen challenges for us as marketers. And, you know, that's uh, somewhat frustrating, somewhat exciting. And, you know, if, if you love a good challenge, it's, it's a fun time to be in the space because we're not exactly sure what it's going to look like. And, uh, and right. so it's, it's a good thing to keep our eyes on. Uh, last thing, Jeremy, just as, as we, you know, wind down here, what's, what's on the horizon for good United and, and for you? Yeah. So at good United, um, we have historically been laser focused on creating the best experience possible for the fundraisers or the individuals that are creating the campaigns on Facebook. Um, what we recently released is a donor module to bring the donors into the equation as well, where now you can use Messenger to get better results in the moment, as well as keep them engaged going forward. Um, outside of, of those two things, we have a few different investment areas. Um, one is just around extending what we do to P2P events. So there's a lot of interest for organizations that um, are doing P2P events in person to extend the cultivating to Messenger, um, as well as a, another product that will allow nonprofits to cultivate these supporters in perpetuity, where we're not only messaging them for a one to two week window during the fundraising period, but just like we've been talking about this entire podcast, um, use Messenger in a way where we can engage with them throughout the year and drive meaningful actions that they want to take. So expect um, a few big announcements coming in a few months um, tied to those particular areas for Good United. Super exciting, man. It's a, it's a, a great time. And uh, I love the work that, that you and Nick and the team do. And it's, um, we'll be watching to see what happens next for sure. Well, I appreciate um, the opportunity to connect with you and, and everyone listening and look forward to continuing the conversation. An exciting time. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, Jeremy, thanks, man. Thanks for stopping by today. And, uh, and we'll catch up down the road. My pleasure. Have a good one, Justin. Okay, so there's the chat with Jeremy Berman of Good United. Uh, man, Jeremy is passionate. And, and he's, he's obviously very smart too. Uh, one of the things that I love about Jeremy's ethos uh, that I felt on, you know, listening back to the episode, I certainly felt in the conversation and have in subsequent conversations with him is this combination of big ideas and hard work um, that, <laughs> that Jeremy and his team uh, bring to the folks that they engage with. And, you know, I, he said it a couple of times and, and I, I, I think he really believes it and means it. And uh, this idea of wanting donors, wanting people to feel appreciated. And, you know, uh, many of us have been around the space for some time and we all have various iterations of being jaded towards certain marketing elements. And, and I, I, I can't recall where I've 
heard an organization talk about donors feeling appreciated. I love that idea. I love that concept. And I love that Jeremy and his team are, are running with it. Um, that's a driving mission behind the work that they do. And, and key as an element of nonprofit marketing here in 2020. So good stuff. Love the chat with Jeremy. Thanks for checking it out. Last thing, uh, before we sign off for this episode, uh, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Instagram. You can find us at group thinkers. Love to chat with you there and tune in next week as we chat with a different innovator, someone in the, the nonprofit marketing space who's making a difference in a unique way. Uh, yeah, so that's it. We'll see you down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.